Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. It's the playoffs. NFL playoffs right now. We're looking at the wild card weekend. We have a four game slate. I'm going to break it down for you. It's going to be an interesting week. So really, we're going to look at a first look today on Monday, right? Early in the week. I'll kind of give you my interest where I am to start the week. We'll come back, check back in on Thursday, a day earlier than usual since the games start on Saturday this week. It's a two-day slate for the four games. So I'll be taking a final look on Thursday. I'll also be doing some showdown content come the weekend. Very excited to break this down. We have a PGA event on Thursday. I'll have content for that out later today as well. NBA videos all day, uh, every day. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Content is going to be churned out here over the next few weeks while the NFL playoffs are still going on. All three sports will be hitting on. So before we get into it, hit that subscribe button. I have a goal. I set a goal to hit 20,000 subscribers before the Super Bowl. So by the end of January, pretty much 20,000 YouTube subscribers. We are about 2,500, a little less than that away. So please do hit the subscribe button. Also on the audio version, hitting the subscribe button, my goal would be to get a 1,000 audio subscribers. We are about 70, 75% of the way there right now. So thank you all so much. I really do appreciate the support. You can check out my Patreon exclusive content. That is linked up down below. I'll probably link it up above at some point as well. Tons of stuff going out on Patreon, my projections, my game-by-game notes, cash game tiers, showdown tiers, lots of other things, Patreon-exclusive podcasts for ownership shows and my closing thoughts, my exposures, lots of different things. So you can check that out over on Patreon. If you're indeed interested, and finally, social media accounts, but also Drafters is going to be sponsoring this video. That is the picture, the nice picture that you see, I believe, right above my head. It is a season, it is similar to season long how they do snake drafts, but it's for daily fantasy sports. So for this four game slate, you can do a snake draft. It takes about five to 10 minutes to complete, depending how fast you set your pick rate at. And it's really fun. You get a couple other people in there. I'm going to set up a league for this weekend's four game slate. You can join that league linked up down below if you would like. We'll make it a cheap $5 buy in. And if you do want to sign up, this is your first time. If you use the promo code SAL100, SAL100, you get a 100% deposit bonus up to $50. So if you're going to put in $10, even five just to play, they'll throw you another five just for free if you use that code. So it helps me, but it also helps you. So thank you. I appreciate it. Again, subscribe button. Let's get into it. We'll go position by position. It's just the first look, right? We're not taking any advanced analytics. That's what the Thursday's uh, look is. It's the first look to see where you guys are. Maybe it's aligning with me. Maybe that makes you feel a little more confident. So starting it off, um, Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills. I do like him at quarterback this week. Look, his mobility is a huge factor here because Houston doesn't have a pass rush. Now, J.J. Watt is supposedly supposed to return for the postseason. So that helps the pass rush. But do we think he's going to be 100%? Now, this man's a freak. I mean, there's a story about J.J. Watt. Um, I forgot what he broke, a femur or something a couple of years back, and he was out the whole year, and they said it might have been his whole leg. Uh, they said that you can't run, you can't do anything, you can only walk. And he got up at 6 a.m., 5 a.m. every morning and walked 10 miles a day every day for his rehab process to accelerate it so he recovered like two to three weeks earlier. The guy's just insane. The work ethic of that, for him to be able to come back this year from the injury he sustained is about two months ahead of schedule. So yeah, uh, the pass rush should be there, but do we think he's 100%? I really don't think so. Even then, it's not been a great pass rush. They rank 21st, 24th in their secondary play, and you have a mobile quarterback against a bad secondary. Yeah, I like Josh Allen at the price point of 6,500 for a four-game slate. It makes sense. Carson Wentz, it's crazy that I have interest in him at 6,200 when look at the guy's weapons. Miles Sanders might miss this week. Zach Ertz is still going to be on the fence. He went into last week with his top weapons being Greg Ward, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Dallas Goddard, and, and Joshua Perkins, their second tight end, right? That's who was primarily on the field for him. 
insane. He loses Miles Sanders during the game and Boston Scott steps up. So uh, I think that Carson Wentz has been fantastic. One of the best quarterbacks in the entire league over the last four to five weeks during this Eagles winning streak, getting them into the postseason. He's been fantastic no matter who is out there against him. And now he has Seattle secondary where that is by far their weak point of their defense. I like Carson Wentz. Drew Brees at 6,600. I usually don't like playing, paying up for Drew Brees, but it's a four game slate. Michael Thomas, believe it or not, me all year long, if you've been watching my videos, I don't like to play him when he's expensive, but on a four game slate, similar to Thanksgiving's three game slate. Yeah, I'm going to play Michael Thomas when he's $9,300. So it's easy to stack that quarterback wide receiver combo. It would be the best quarterback wide receiver combo in terms of ceiling and probably floor appeal. In my opinion, it is a bottom five outside secondary play for the cornerbacks and Trey Waynes, whether it's Trey Waynes, Mike Hughes, or Xavier Rhodes, whatever two primary guys, probably Xavier Rhodes and, and, and uh, Mike Hughes for the most part will be on the outside against um, the Saints in this one. It's just a fantastic spot for Breeze. Give me that at 6,600. Give me that in what would be a home game uh, for the Saints and where they are eight-point favorites at home with a nice team total of 28, the highest on the entire weekend. Russell Wilson, he's a maybe. So I like that he's an underdog. I don't like that he's on the road as much, but as an underdog, you're going to get him at least throwing the ball probably 30 to 32 times, maybe more, instead of his normal 26 to 28 times that he usually throws for. So this is going to be the fastest pace game I believe on the slate in this one. So that's good to see with Seattle and Philadelphia. Again, he's coming in as a one point underdog. So pretty much a pick him here shows you how much confidence they have in Seattle coming on the road, only a one point underdog, not as much of a home field advantage Philly is getting in this one. So I think it's an okay spot here, Philadelphia against the quarterback and the secondary this year. There was about a month, five weeks or so where they were solid. Other than that, they've been pretty brutal. You saw last week, Daniel Jones had success, even in a bad weather game at times. So yeah, I think that Russell Wilson has great matchups. I mean, DK Metcalf on the outside, Ronald Darby's banged up. Jalen Mills, well, Ron Darby's not going to play. Jalen Mills is banged up. Who knows if he will play? He probably will. And then you have not much Vontae Maddox in the slot. Metcalf against Mills on the outside. It's a winnable matchup for either of them, but I think Metcalf has the advantage due to his size, especially around the red zone. The guy's top five in red zone targets and uh, end zone targets as well. And then you have Lockett in the slot against Maddox. That's probably the best slot wide receiver matchup on the entire uh, four-game slate. Maybe that we'll see maybe in the entire postseason, uh, potentially, um, considering Michael Thomas an outside receiver. You're going to get Avante Maddox on Tyler Lockett. That's a mismatch. Deshaun Watson. Look, Deshaun Watson might be a yes for me if Fuller is active, but as of right now, Fuller question marks. They say that they have expectations that he'll play. They've said that other times this year, and then he doesn't. He's come back, and then he tweaks the same injury, so it's a concern. Buffalo ranks fourth in coverage, 15th in pass rush, so that helps with Deshaun Watson's mobility. He'll probably use his legs more here. You're going to have Deshaun or DeAndre Hopkins. We'll talk about Tredavious White's statistics in this video, but also later in the week. It's going to be an interesting spot for Deshaun Watson uh, or DeAndre Hopkins against Tredavious White, but if Will Fuller's active, he has a nice matchup against LaShawn Sims, who was banging up last week. Maybe he'll even be questionable or limited coming into this week. Um, so Watson at 6,400, he is a dynamite quarterback. He is the, the definition of a fantasy um, deadly quarterback. And the fact that he's not playing in Buffalo, Buffalo being the wild card in this one, is a huge advantage when he gets to play at home. So he's definitely in play for me. My nose are going to be Brady, Tannehill, and Cousins. It, it's nothing against any of these guys, really. I just, I can't play all eight quarterbacks, right? If I'm going to be playing 150 lineups, I don't want all eight quarterbacks in my player pool. Tom Brady, I'm on the fence about, but I'm going to say no. He's the cheapest, definitely, so that's appealing. He also has the most experience in the playoffs right now, so yeah, that's definitely appealing as well. But it's hard to trust his offense. His best player, Julian Edelman, was getting double teamed last week by Miami, and if Tennessee saw any of that game, and I'm sure they will watch this tape, they're going to say, hmm, wow, we should just double team the banged up Edelman who's been playing 60% slot snaps, and every single week a quote comes out. The last week it said that the pain is unimaginable that you can think of that Julian Edelman is going through. I really want to play a quarterback whose number one option is that guy. Now, I think James White gets a lot more involved, and we'll talk about that, but nobody else really stands out for me. 
Tennessee's outside cornerback play, they'll get Adore Jackson back, so that matchup against Sanu will be fine. And then you have Nikhil Harry, and yeah, he'll have a fine matchup, but he's still a rookie. It's not a great spot for ceiling-type performances out of Tom Brady. You also throw into the fact that I think the Patriots probably want to run the ball more here, and I think Tennessee definitely wants to run the ball 25-plus times, especially against the Patriots' secondary. You might not have a lot of chances for Tom Brady to actually do anything. I'm going to go with a no. Tannehill and Cousins, it's just matchup-based. It's just um, where I think a lot of things are going to come from. Saints have a top-five pass rush. Um, top five tackling team, top five overall defense, New England all the way up there for their secondary. It's nothing against those guys. It's just relative to the other quarterbacks. I'm not going to get much of them. Running backs on this slate, I think it's interesting. We'll probably be shuffling this around come Thursday's final thoughts. Uh, Before we keep going, please do hit that subscribe button. I do appreciate that. But Alvin Kamara, he's a yes for me. Look, he's 7,400. The price tag is just not high enough against Minnesota. Yeah, I know they're a top 10 pass rush, a top 10 tackling team. I have a top 10 defensive line in terms of run stop, but they've struggled against versatile backs. And they are dealing with a lot of injuries. A lot of those injuries came in the Packers game since they sat a lot of starters last week. But you saw a versatile back in Aaron Jones, what he was able to do to them. Um, The lights, if, if the lights are too bright, get off the field. Anthony bar told Aaron Jones and they went for what 150 plus total yards and two tutties Alvin Kamara in this spot he's been picking it up the last two weeks those missed tackles that you weren't seeing for uh pretty much before two weeks ago since his injury um they were coming the touchdowns have been coming as well I think he's at what now four in the last two games so uh four four in like the last I think six quarters so Alvin Kamara at 7400 against Minnesota I think it's a fine spot again eight point favorites at home 28 implied team total it's a great spot Singletary right now is a yes for me um this mid-range is interesting Singletary maybe leans more towards a maybe as the week goes on but I think it's a nice spot I think he's the best mid-range option and the other guy here is also a yes in the mid-range so it's interesting to kind of say that but look there's no there's no threat from Frank Gore anymore now in the playoffs maybe they hand the ball Frank Gore five times but I think Singletary's worked his way into a role of 16 plus touches the way you beat Houston though is through the secondary but Singletary's also shown inability to catch the ball and as the season has gone on Josh Allen has checked the ball down more than he ever has in his career dating back to the beginning of last year that's why there was a lot of um just unsatisfaction with LaShawn McCoy while he was there because they just weren't checking the ball down Josh Allen liked to just chuck it deep and he still does but he's throwing it down probably five times a game now to Singletary which is pretty big uh going to James White it's interesting I originally had James White as a no and then as I was making the research and initial research for the video I had put him as a maybe and then I was thinking more about it I'm gonna put him as a yes for now look Tennessee's going to probably double-team Julian Edelman in the slot. There's nothing else for the Patriots. Zero. Ben Watson's not doing anything as a 40-year-old tight end. I know he's not that old, but come on. Matt LaClosse has not done anything all year, so their tight ends are giving them nothing, right? James White is the pass-catching back, so that's why he's a yes for me. Mohamed Sanu's done nothing. Philip Dorsett's in the doghouse, barely playing any snaps. Jacoby Myers gets some snaps, the rookie slot wide receiver. And then Nikhil Harry's been fine, but, I mean, what is it, three, four targets a game? He's still a raw talent first-round pick who was injured or for the first, what, half of the year, so... It's a spot where you have Sanu in a difficult matchup on the outside against Adore Jackson. Maybe not a crazy difficult, but definitely not an easy winnable matchup, especially the way that Sanu's playing. And I think Sanu's uh, transition from the slot to the outside, he played the slot nonstop. That's all he played for Atlanta to the outside, has been an issue for him. He's just not getting open, not getting separation. The only guy who's viable is Julian Edelman, and he's just playing so banged up right now. So if he's going to get double teamed, even if he's not, he's still playing so banged up, and the matchup against Logan Ryan in the slot is brutal, that I think James White is the best way you move the ball in the passing game. This could be the playoffs are here. James White mode 10 target game for James White lock him in I like the guy well when I say lock him in he's not a lock I'm just saying get him in your lineups if you want Derrick Henry at 8,200. He's not a guarantee yes for me because I think Alvin Kamara in the upper price range is a better play. But at 8,200, 
it's hard to imagine he doesn't go for 25 carries. How can you trust Ryan Tannehill against this Patriots secondary where what does Belichick do? He takes away your best players. He's probably going to put something over the top, a safety on AJ Brown, and then he's going to load the box against Derrick Henry. There's a really good chance that they just stonewall. There's a really good chance Tennessee scores three to 10 points in this game, right? Because Bill Belichick, if you're so one-dimensional with one wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver nonetheless, and a running back, a one-dimensional running back nonetheless, it is so easy for him to take those things away. Now, these are really good players, right? They're dominatingly just physically uh, in their games. But Stephon Gilmore and even a safety on A.J. Brown, nothing else is on the field. Maybe it's a Corey Davis type of game. And then you have out there um, a stack box against Derrick Henry and the Patriots have not been good against the run, but as slight favorites, five and a half, actually decent sized favorites in this one. I'm just not as confident in Henry. Now I do think he touches the ball 24 plus times. So he's definitely going to be my player pools, but not as my dynamite. Yes. He's my favorite play. Dalvin Cook. I have a yellow mark on him because he's questionable pending his health. If he's a go, he's a full yes for me. Saints are top five against the run. They have a great defensive line, but I also like the fact that this guy can catch the ball eight point underdogs. I think Cook probably sees six, seven targets. He, um, he would be right around Derrick Henry's ownership for me. uh, Carlos Hyde against Buffalo, not a great spot. Buffalo had about a three or four week span where they weren't fantastic. Um, You're going to come into this one as favorites though. So I think it's an okay spot. It's he's just a mad play, right? He's a starting running back with touch about 15 times, no receptions. He's just very mad. I think Sony Michelle, I would rather play than Carlos Hyde. Sony Michelle is close to a yes for me. 58 carries over the last three weeks. I think that's partially a product of Edelman's injury. And they just, because of that, they can't move the ball in the passing game at all. Part of it's also because they've played in spots where they've been leading. But last week it was a neutral game script where they were trailing against Miami and ended up losing. He still had 18 carries, 74 yards and a touchdown. He's looked very good. He's had six red zone rushing attempts, four goal to go rushing attempts in these last three weeks. I think it's just a spot where you throw the ball to James White, um, you move the ball that way, and then on the ground, Sonny Michel sees close to 20 touches. He's probably going to end up being a yes as the week goes on. Duke Johnson is a maybe for me against Buffalo. If there's anything here, it's just he's 4,400. He probably sees five targets. He's only going to see a total of like seven or eight total touches. So it's a four game slate type of play. Sonny Michel by far is going to see four times the usage probably. Eh, we'll say two to three times the usage, if not more uh, than Duke Johnson in this one. For the Philadelphia running backs, I just have to watch the status of Miles Sanders. If he's in, I think Boston Scott has deserved more touches. So at 6,200, Sanders is is interesting. It's a tough matchup against Seattle's defensive line, but um, I think that it's a spot I'd probably stay away from. If Sanders is out, Boston Scott at 5,800, instead of seeing 10 to 12 touches, would go into a role of probably 16 to 18 to maybe even 20 touches um, with Jordan Howard being the primary backup. So that's where I would like that. Running backs in Seattle, Marshawn Lentz is appealing because he's going to see all the goal line work, right? If he has 13, 14 carries, maybe two or three of them are goal to go touches but it's just really hard to bank on that at 5,200. Latavius Murray is an eight point favorite. I think he does see about 10 carries, but not something I want to prioritize. Wide receiver now, lots of options here. There's a ton of options at wide receiver. So Michael Thomas at 9,300. Yeah, I've, I pretty much faded Michael Thomas on main slates. And I'm talking the 13, the 11 game slates, the 15 game slate, like last week, whenever he's $9,300 or above. It hasn't burned me yet. The one week he scored 34 two weeks ago, and I didn't I didn't, it didn't kill me, right? He didn't break the slate. Last week at 9,900, he doesn't really do anything to really harm anybody if you don't play him. So Michael Thomas, I was fine not playing him there. He, the Saints erupted. He just wasn't really in on it all too much as opposed to some of the other players like Kamara early on. But at 9,300 on a four-game slate, he's going to face Mike Hughes or probably Xavier Rhodes. It's a smash spot. He's too cheap for a four-game slate. And there's a really good chance that you just play, if you're playing like five to 10 lineups, he's going to be in all of them. DK Metcalf, no Ronald Darby. I said Jalen Mills was banged up. There's nobody on this Philadelphia personnel that can guard DK Metcalf. And you're probably not going to double team DK Metcalf because of them one-on-one coverage in the slot, or at least more so one-on-one coverage with a, a slot cornerback in Tyler Lockett on Maddox is going to absolutely ruin you or you leave a tight end open. So yeah, I think that DK Metcalf's one-on-one matchups will be fantastic. John Brown against Houston. I like it. He'll probably see some 
Bradley Roby, it's a fun spot. 6K is a nice price tag. I really like the Josh Allen to John Brown stacks in this one. Beneficial matchup. If Will Fuller plays, he's a yes. He's too cheap at 4,900. He's a risk, right? The last time he went out there and played, he played like uh, half of a quarter and then pulled his hammy again or tweaked it. Tredavious White's going to be on Hopkins. LaShawn Sims, the number two cornerback for the Bills, got banged up last week. Even if he plays, it's a fine matchup for Fuller. So yeah, if Fuller is starting on the outside, it's going to be a risk, right? He can play for a quarter, catch two balls, and then tweak his hamstring like he did last time. But if he plays the whole game, he's way too cheap. DeAndre Hopkins, it's a terrifying matchup. Tredavious White in shadow coverages this year has allowed five receptions for 30.7 yards per game. Now, a lot of that is skewed from a 10 reception game that he surrendered earlier in the season um, for limited yardage. So it's a spot that I'm okay getting to Hopkins, but it's also a spot where Tredavious White is not allowed a touchdown on the entire season. So very scary. Uh, Tyler Lockett against Avante Maddox in the slot. He's very close to a yes for me. It's just a matter of the pricing. Like if you're going to play Michael Thomas at 9,300, and then you also play Tyler Lockett at 72, it starts to become really difficult to build the lineup. So I put him as a maybe because I do prioritize Michael Thomas on the slate. Stefan Diggs likely sees a lot of um, Marshawn Lattimore. You probably see some Adam Thielen on him, but more Stefan Diggs since he runs those deeper routes, more of the playmaker. That's where Lattimore usually goes to. Lattimore in man coverage and shadow coverage, I should say, this year. Only two point, and I'm going to exclude exclude the game where I only played like a quarter against Julio because then he got hurt. 2.1 receptions for 27.8 yards per game in shadow. He's been better than Tredavious White in shadows. He's been one of the best, if not the best, cornerback in the entire league in shadows. Allowed just one touchdown this year. That was week one against DeAndre Hopkins. Stefan Diggs is going to have a tough time. He's closer to a no than a yes. Julian Edelman is very close to a no for me. In the slot, his matchup against Logan Ryan, who is potentially, some people were calling a, a pro ball snub. He's given up a lot, a lot of yardage this year, but if you just look at that, that's not good because he's also seen the most targets in the league out of the slot. So it's going to correlate with more yardage just naturally. He's been very good. He is a borderline pro bowl slot cornerback. Um, he did not get there, but Julian Edelman playing banged up. You saw the recipe last week, double team Julian Edelman. They literally have to force the ball to Nikhil Harry. So they're tight ends three, four, five times a game. And then to Muhammad Sanu, and they couldn't move the ball. And Miami literally beat them pretty handily in that one. I know they only won by three, but in terms of their defensive efforts against Brady, it was pretty bad on how bad that offense looked in the passing game, at least, right? The running game met over hundred yards. They got that going a little bit, but Edelman, I have him in red because I love the guy. I love what we saw up until this injury he sustained about a month ago. He was seeing 10 targets a game, seven receptions a game. Since then, he's seen five, six targets, barely playing 70, 75% of the snaps. Now a tough matchup where he might get double team. It's a major concern here. I might stay away from it. We'll see what the health status says as he gets closer, maybe come Thursday. Adam Thielen, I would love to play a ton of him in this matchup because he'll avoid Lattimore if he was to be 100%. Now with some two weeks rest, didn't play last week, has all this week. I think he might get there. I want to track that health status. He's a maybe. Cole Beasley, the price tag is up there, but he's 5,600. He's going to back his way into seven or eight targets, five, probably five or six receptions. And then it's a matter of a touchdown. So I think he's in play. Greg Ward at 5,200 has been banged up in a couple of these games. Keep an eye on Nelson Aguilar. That would hurt Greg Ward, whose price tag has been rising, but Aguilar's is only at 4,400. They're both in play for me, depending on Aguilar's status. And then Adam Humphreys is only 3,000. He's missed like the last four or five games, but track his status. He's dealing with an ankle injury. If he plays somehow at $3,000, that's like, he's going to try and play, right? It's the playoffs. Um, he has not been like ruled out on IR or anything. It's it's week to week. He's only 3,000. So I think DraftKings messed this up because if he does suit up, he'll play, I imagine, the majority of the slot snaps. Khalif Raymond missed last week. He was their backup slot cornerback or slot wide receiver. So it's a very interesting spot for Tennessee who they'll play in the slot. It's the best matchup against Jonathan Joseph or Jonathan Jones in the slot. So if it's Humphrey, I actually like that. AJ Brown's currently a no for me. I think Corey Davis out of Tennessee would be the receiving option I would want the most out of the wide receivers. Brown's matchup against Gilmore. We saw Devontae Parker get Gilmore last week. The only guy who's done that in really two or three years now. And it was very surprising. I don't think that happens back-to-back weeks. I don't think that happens in New England. Um, So AJ Brown this week, he's been fantastic. He's been, I've been playing him for the last two or three weeks. He's been a monster. 
But I probably don't get there this week, especially when you have to prioritize him over guys like Lockett, Hopkins, and potentially even Thomas at the same position. Um, so I'm not going to get there. I think that's it for there. So Corey Davis, he's 3,800. He would be the closest thing to a maybe I would go to from, from Tennessee, at least. Tight ends here. So we got to track Zach Ertz. He's the main one dealing with an injury. Uh, if he doesn't play, fire up Dallas, Dallas Goddard again at 5,200. Joshua Perkins ran 33 routes as in the Dallas Goddard role, quote unquote, when Goddard is the number two tight end to Ertz. Um, so Perkins, Philadelphia tight end, ran 33 routes primarily out of the slot and out wide. So that was good usage. He's only 2,900 complete misprice. If Ertz is out, I think I might like Perkins more for 2,900 compared to Goddard at 52 because that extra $2,300 can give you a lot more to do with your lineup. So I like Joshua Perkins at first. It's out. It is a, he's not expected to play right now. It's a very questionable situation. So, or I shouldn't say he's not expected to play, but it's not like a lock that he's going to play. They said, once again, they have to monitor his status. So it's a playoff game. He's going to try his hardest to be out there, but look, this is like a punctured, um, the rib that was puncturing his inside. So it seems like a serious injury. Um, keep an eye on that. I would prefer Joshua Perkins to Goddard, although both are in play. If Ertz does suit up, track the status of him. I would not want to play him. I would probably still choose to play Goddard, but then it makes Perkins not a great play. Jared Cook is becoming just a red zone monster for the Saints team and really an end zone target. He's emerging after these injuries and earlier in the season when there was so much hype around him, he's emerging to be the guy that they said he would be, a red zone weapon in this offense, a guy who was used in the middle of the field as well, similar to Jimmy Graham's usage, not exactly that usage, but very close to it really when you see the routes that he's running deep down the middle of the field. In, in scoring touchdowns. So if you give me five, six targets at 4,900, I was worried he might be like 5,500 on the slate, but he's too cheap. I like it. Uh, J- Jacob Hollister in this one, I'm projecting him for six targets. That might seem a little high. He's coming off of an eight target game at 4,300 against Philly. I do like that. John o. Smith against New England. I think he's the best pass catcher in terms of when you take away the wide receiver position. So I like Corey Davis this week as wide receiver, secondary option. Not, I don't like him. It's just picking him from that team. If I was forced to pick one, but if we're talking about all the pass catchers, including tight ends in that, I do like Jonu Smith a little bit at 3,800. You saw Gusecki last week have success. If there's one spot the Patriots would struggle against pass catchers, it would be the tight end. So Jonu Smith, I would slate him for around five targets this week. It's an okay spot. Nice red zone usage. Jordan Atkins, Irv Smith Jr., 2,800 for Atkins, uh, 2,700 for Irv Smith. They're just cheap guys. Like You're relying on a touchdown. Irv Smith seems way too cheap. Tough matchup against New Orleans, but it's a spot where they run a ton of two tight end sets. He's likely to run 25 routes. He's only running like five less routes per game than Kyle Rudolph, who is $800 more expensive than him. Rudolph seeing a little bit more usage, especially in the red zone. But Irv Smith, the rookie, is being used all over the field. I would have him projected for around four targets. That's not great usage, but he's 2,700. If I'm projecting him for four targets and I'm projecting say Jared Cook for six for an extra 2,000 more, it starts to make sense why you get there. It's a value play. But if Zach Ertz is out, just wipe off Jordan Atkins, who had a nice week last week, although it was with a bunch of backups in, not even his quarterback. And then also wipe off um, Irv Smith Jr. because then you just get yourself Joshua Perkins in that same price range. All right, gang, that is it for me. I will leave this on the target offense sheet where you can see right here, there's a bunch of teams from the last week that you don't need to look at anymore. So I'm going to black that out so it looks a little bit better and appealing. Thank you so much. I do appreciate you all tuning into this one. Please do hit the subscribe button before you go. This is a target offense sheet if you want to screenshot it over my head. Check out drafters.com. I'll post a listener league link down below in the description. It'll, it'll, it'll bring you over to Twitter so my account on YouTube doesn't get suspended for posting gambling links, quote unquote. While you're over on Twitter, hit me with a follow, but then also join the league. I'll make it a 12-person league, $5 buy-in, and then you could use the promo code SAL100, S-A-L-100, to get a 100% deposit bonus up to $50 when you sign in. Follow me on my social media's account. Thank you so much. Uh, And yes, the goal is to hit 20,000 subscribers by the end of January. That would be an absolute 
awesome goal awesome new year's resolution number one checked off so thank you so much appreciate it best of luck pga content nba content will also be out uh as the week goes on peace out gang I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.